1: From the Ante-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antioch Poker Cast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's April 6th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza.
2: And I'm Scott Long, and I prefer to say 2018.
0: <laughs> I usually say that, but today I thought I'd mix it up a little, throw you off your game. <laughs>
2: You know what the funny thing is, uh, two thousand. Yeah, I guess 1979, nineteen seventy Yeah, is it weird because it's two thousand?
0: I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, cause yeah. Well, you wouldn't say 1979, nine, right? Yeah, you wouldn't say nineteen hundred seventy nine. You know, so it's weird. You don't say that, right? You don't say nineteen hundred seventy nine or nineteen hundred eighty, yeah. okay. but you'd say two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I like twenty eighteen. There you go. go back
2: Sixteen hundred. You did for the flare. The year of sixteen forty eight.
0: You listen to the best poker cast on the uh I don't know, who would it be there? On the pigeon uh, <laughs> the pigeon notes. Oh man. How'd they communicate in the sixteen hundreds? I have no idea.
2: Yeah, I have uh you know, I'm old but I'm not that old. So.
0: <laughs> I tell you they should have been listening. I should have hit record right before I before I even called you because they should have heard you hawk up something this morning. I don't know what it was because <laughs> it's early for you out there. You're in the West Coast and uh, it sounded pretty funny, but uh, it sounded better now, so we're all right.
2: Yeah, this is the little the real jet setter lifestyle that I'm too old for. You know, flew, uh, got up yesterday morning. I was supposed to get up at 3.30 a.m. Uh, my lift was scheduled to ride between 4 and 4.10. At 4.13, Laura was like, hey, aren't you supposed to be up? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Jumped out of bed, turned my phone on. Oh good, the lift's not not here. He's running late. That's perfect. Uh put my contacts in, threw my clothes on, and in two minutes I was outside uh in the in the lift and then I get to the um uh airport and uh Laura sent me a message. She's like, You forget anything? I'm like, Yeah, my belt. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh had to stop at the uh I didn't have didn't have time in my connection to Atlanta because no one ever has time for the connection to Atlanta but uh got to Sacramento, went to the PGA store And paid more for a belt than I paid for all my belts. (laughs) Hey,
0: I don't understand. Whenever we did anything business-related and I had to pick you up or I was waiting for you to pick me up, you were always absolutely incredibly late. Yes. Right? So you're late here, but it only took you a minute to get out of the house and be ready. How are you always late still? If you can physically do it, why aren't you doing it?
2: Uh, If if you ask, Laura, it's because I have no appreciation for other people's time.
0: Yeah, you just don't. That's obvious.
2: (laughs) I just don't care. Uh, no, but I was amazed I could get. I mean, because now I've started. I used to, uh, you know, because I travel more now. I, oh no, now especially with the early morning flights, I go ahead and and shut down the computer and I have all the stuff ready to go, and uh, and then I have all my clothes hanging that I'm going to wear tomorrow, so I can just grab some of that. That made it easy. I just had to just grab the stuff I already had planned. Bags are already packed. All right, and in the lift, but. All right. And then I think I take the red eye tonight back to New York, so uh I'm gonna be very exhausted by the time you see me back in Florida next week.
0: But given the way you always look, no one would ever know by your appearance that you look exhausted. Very, very true. Right. You yes. just always look like that.
2: and they didn't uh you know, and I didn't shower until I got here to Thunder Valley yesterday either, but oh, uh, man. Know, I don't really smell well generally. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't smell you, that's how Felt so bad for the two people sitting next to me on both flights. <laughs> Especially the red eye. <laughs>
2: Uh, but, yeah, as we mentioned, I am out here once again at Thunder Valley Casino Resort uh, near Sacramento, California, uh, one of our favorite clients. And um, so this isn't technically a business trip because you're not getting charged for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they're having the grand opening, uh, official grand opening of their new poker room today, which is Wednesday. So I don't know when Chris is posting the show. But if it's, if it's Wednesday and you're listening to it, then it's today. Mm-hmm. If it's not, then it was on Wednesday, and you missed it. But, <laughs> uh, but no, they they have this brand new poker room here. It is gorgeous. Uh, I think they opened it maybe back in February, maybe. Grand opening, and uh, um, so they they flew back and forth.
0: Yeah, I lost you there, buddy. You got stuck to- over. I'm losing you a lot. You're going in and out, in and out. <clears throat> can you hear me? Um, you still can hear, hear me. Can you hear me what? now? Yeah, I've yeah. lost you for the last probably minute or so. Oh shoot. Yeah, you said uh when you were flying out and so stuff, you, you you gotta start over from uh when they opened it in February. That's the last thing I heard clear from you. So Okay. Go ahead.
2: Well they, uh, they had a soft launch uh of the room in February, I believe, and uh but today is the um uh official grand opening And today being Wednesday, if you are listening on Wednesday. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I'll probably uh, post it on Wednesday. I'll probably post it Wednesday.
2: All right. All right. Good, good. Uh, So, anyhow, if you're listening, uh, you've got a couple hours to get down and and play in this $560 buy-in celebrity bounty tournament. So, Thunder Valley brought a uh, a lot of celebrities out here, and I use air quotes for me as being part of that group. But, (laughs) anyhow um but the the big highlights uh matt savage and mike sexton are the big ones but jc tran a bunch of other players as well too and we all have bounties on our head with various different bounty prizes and one of the bounties and i'm sure it's not on me or if it is i'm very happy for the little easy person that gets to knock me out is a 1100 dollars main event seat for the uh this weekend's uh wpt deep stacks main event so really good prizes here and if people would have signed up uh, before yesterday, your 560 would have included a golf scramble at the Whitney Oaks golf course yesterday, Ooh. which had fun. I uh, did not make it here in time for that. And even if
0: I had, I wouldn't have had a belt, so I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> or any talent to play the, the game of so. golf. So you, right. <laughs> you would have been screwed either way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and everybody was invited to, of course, uh, one of the Thunder Valley's famous uh, cocktail parties, which they do uh, for our world championship winners every year. Last night with a lot of um, wine and beer flowing and uh, tasty uh, morsels uh, to snack on, so that was fun. And um, interestingly, last night too, they did a uh, like a live stream interview uh, show with Matt Savage and uh, Mike Sexton. And uh, I got to the party in the middle of that, which I'll tell you why later. But um, it was it was a really good. Um, it was really interesting listening to mike sexton uh, you know i think we have talked before about how many times we meet uh, professional poker players and they um disappoint us right yeah yeah <laughs> uh mike is one of those on the list that has not disappointed me in all the times i've met him um and not just because he's an ohio state university grad but uh he's always been a really really good guy i thought and um uh, and very humble too i thought you know you don't find a lot of humble people in the poker world um Uh, particularly for as much as he's accomplished. But uh, he had a couple interesting things. uh, He took a bunch of questions from folks and then signed uh, his new book, Life's a Gamble, for everyone. And the first one, somebody asked him uh, why – was there a story behind the name of the book, Life's a Gamble? And uh, he chuckled and said, well, life is a gamble. (laughs) Everything we do is a gamble. And I thought that was interesting because you know we spent a lot of time um, as poker players convincing everybody that poker is not gambling, right? Yeah, that it's a strategy and it's investing, and all that is true. Um, but I, I it, it's interesting to hear him say that because we do have to admit that there is a part of poker that is a gamble, right? You know, you don't control the cards that come off. You know, you get that one outer on the river and ruins your your beautifully planned or played hand. Against an idiot that doesn't know what they're doing. So, um, but really, everything we do in life has an element of gamble to it. So, I think it's probably good, as much as we continue and should continue to um, convince people that what we do is not gambling, to also be honest and admit that there is some luck to it, right?
0: Sure, and everything, you know, stocks, you know, anything, anything you you're taking a chance on everything. So it's it's a good title, and he he's had a lot of gambling uh, things in his life, so. Uh, probably double double meaning there. Yeah, he, he
2: told a lot of stories too about uh you know the old days with the uh, the classic players and their gambling stories and uh Puggy Pearson he had a funny story about that. Uh who who famous for prop bets back before prop bets I mean, you know, prop bets are pretty common now, right? But right. he was a big bet guy last time. But Mike said he would never bet on anyone else. He'd only bet on himself. So he had all these bets about how well he would do and stuff. But he's like why why do I want to bet on that basketball player whether he could put the, the ball in the hoop? I don't control that. I control yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Um and he also talked about the um the famous um uh Jack Binion Payne, the winner of the World Series uh main event, um in their weight in silver. Remember that? Yeah. It was the year russ hamilton won and russ hamilton he said was 360 pounds and their two guys were 120 pounds combined <laughs> 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 and of course russ wins so uh so it was a lot of interesting um stories like that um and i'm sure uh those are all in the book so uh folks can have it uh uh but then the other interesting thing that somebody met, actually alan kessler is one of the uh, the celebrities here too and he asked about um uh, this ongoing bet that Mike Sexton's had, where he would pay ten to one to anyone that would take a bet on whether somebody forty or older would win the World Series Poker Main Event each year, hmm. and he says he's getting it's getting harder for people to take those bets now. He still offers it, but no one wants to take it anymore. Um and here's and he's like, here's an interesting piece of trivia, and always when I when I hear that, I'm like, all right, is it really interesting? <laughs> Just saying it. But I thought it was really interesting, so you tell me if it's not. But I'm curious whether you can figure this out. Oh uh, who was the last World Series of Poker main event winner who was forty or older?
0: Uh let's see. I would have to say Um I'm trying to figure out if Joe Hashem was forty or not. That's the thing I don't think he was I think he was young he's probably just younger than forty. I don't think Raymer was I think Raymer was just under forty, maybe that's a good question um jeez, you know I don't know I'd have to go probably probably way back if if any i I don't know until you know way back in the day when the seventies or whatever but um jeez I don't know i i if I had to guess I'd have to say somebody really old like Johnny or. You know, or whatever. Not Johnny Chan, but... Uh, yeah, so you might months. not afford to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I really don't know. I, that's a good question. I mean, it, it's hard, because I, I would think that Hashim could have been close to 40 when he did it, but that was like a good 10-something years ago, and I don't think he's 50 now, so...
2: Yeah, yeah we think of all those players
0: as the age they are now. Yeah, so it's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. But,
2: I didn't independently verify this, so I'm trusting Mike Sexton on it, but Noel Furlong in 1999.
0: Wow, yeah. Yeah, see, and he's not the first and name that, that was one you think of. one of the first ones I watched on TV, right? Yeah.
2: And, uh, but think about that. We're in 2018 or 2018, depending how you want to say it. Oh, <laughs> uh, So it's been 19 years, or at least 18 series, I think, uh, of these tournaments won by players younger than 40. Yeah. And then the last several have been under 30. Yeah. <laughs> or even younger than 25, I, I think, some of them. But um, – but that's just really staggering to me uh, to think about that because you go back to those those early ones and again I'm just guessing now I could could be wrong with this but I would imagine few of those were won by players <laughs> younger than forty I right mean, uh, you know Stu Unger probably was under forty and then of course you know what Phil Hellmuth's one is but um but back in the day I mean you know Doyle Brunson's and all those
0: yeah like Johnny Moss was probably in his fifties or sixties then but yeah, that's the thing too is you would think because the boom didn't happen until 3, 4, right? So you're thinking from 99 to then, at least those few years, and even in the, the beginning of the boom, you really didn't have all these young kids taking over yet. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. Right, You just had them learning and discovering it you know, within the next maybe 5 or 6 years from there. So it's a good decade there where you think there'd be somebody in their 40s that would have won, but, wow, Noah Furlong, Jeez, That's yeah. like the last guy I would have thought of, too. <laughs> right. Wow. Great.
2: Uh but yeah, it was a, it was a good night last night looking forward to having um fought in the tournament today and somehow surviving this red eye home. Um but uh so uh so I get here, I don't know, it was around well, I get here around 12:30 or so yesterday. Uh all day stinking because I had no shower and holding my pants up because I had no belt, right?
0: <laughs> I think you've mentioned uh, these things already. I'm not sure but. <laughs> I
2: think I get to Thunder Valley, and I uh, go to check into my room, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Long, your room's not ready yet. And I'm like, that's all right. I can go to the spa, right? And they're like, absolutely. So i go do my famous eucalyptus steam there and shower there and get all undirty. And then um, they're like, you know, we'll call you when your room's ready. So I get out of the the spa, and they haven't called yet. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check out this new poker room. Go over there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is gorgeous. Walk around, look at it for a while. Then I see um, Dan Ross from Holman Radio, who uh, always helps us out at our our thunder valley events here to go chat with him a little bit and uh, some other friends that i had uh didn't know were going to be here and and then uh <laughs> this one player walks up to me who i hadn't i didn't recognize and he's like scott this is a this omaha eight tournament you could still get in because i went i walked in the room i looked to see what was on the um uh the live games to see if i was going to play and then i'm like oh there's a tournament going on and it was an omaha eight i'm like oh man i wish i would have got here in time to play that didn't even realize that Reg was still open, right? Yeah. And so I asked, uh, and I'm like, you can still get in? And he's like, yeah, for six more minutes <laughs> was through level six. So it was level six, six minutes left. Uh, so I asked the tournament director. i mean, like, what's the starting chips? And he's like 12,000, and I think the levels were 300, 600 at that point, and going up to 400, 800. And so I did the quick math, and I'm like, it's a $160 buy. And I'm like, eh, all right, I'll jump in. So <laughs> I literally ran down, got into this tournament with like three minutes to spare by the time I sat down. And um, and went on to do an ICM deal at the end of it uh, at second in chips. Wow. So made like, well, it was like 1800 I got paid out for a $160 tournament. That wasn't even planned on a plan.
0: 1800 Skittles. Yeah. Nice job. So that
2: was kind of cool. Um, but it was interesting how I got there because I, my first table I sat down, I played literally three, folded three hands before the level ended and we went on a 15 minute break. <laughs> I was exhausted, and um but within that first two hours uh at our table were two royal flushes, one straight flush, and one quads jeez, and two hours at our table, and I was not involved in any of those hands,
0: <laughs> good. Uh,
2: which is good, so I didn't lose um uh, uh, but I just played really good Omaha. It was funny I was talking to people yesterday uh or actually throughout the tournament um because i I was meeting new people and they were asking about the magazine and how we started and uh how much i play and i'm like i don't play at all anymore really like you know if i i play here at thunder valley a couple times and i play on the cruise when we need me to but that's really it it's kind of sad actually to be honest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we both play poker now but um so this is my first tournament in god six seven months at least Jeez. and i don't know if i have even played a hand of poker since then mm. um since the last screws I went on, and I skipped the March screws. so it's been a while, right? Um, but uh, but 8 is, is you know it's a good game to get back into because you play a lot tighter uh, with it. And I just played really well, I thought, and uh, chipped up early, and then just kept my chip stack going crazy. Uh, get down to 30 players left, and um, and one of the floors here, who I always uh, uh, go out drinking with when we get he gets off his shift, showed up and uh, bought me a shot, Ugh, which I don't do shots anymore. And it was the biggest shot I've ever seen, Chris. (laughs) I did not shoot it. I gagged it down. (laughs) Then he gave me a beer chaser, and I'm like, what was in that? And he's like, oh, let me go ask the bartender what all she put in it. I'm like, what? (laughs) So now I've been flying all day. I had barely any food. And now I just did a a triple shot and a beer with 30 players left. And I was starting to feel it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be terrible. Uh, but uh, but kept uh, hitting hands and and getting out of trouble and uh, so we got to the final table. Uh, well, first of all, we did a um, we did a two bubble save. I don't think we've ever done this before. So it paid 13 spots, and with 15 left, uh, someone said, "Hey, how about we pay 14 and 15 their money back?" And I'm like, oh, I always hate those things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, here in Miami up stuff, so I can't say no. Uh, the woman next to me, I think, was getting kind of upset about it. But we all voted, and we all accepted it. And then two players went out right away. And I'm like, congratulations, everybody. We are guaranteed to lose money
0: now on this deal. <laughs> um,
2: but, yeah, so then we get the final table, and we immediately start talking on an ICM deal. And uh, here's the thing is I had the cocktail party at 8 o'clock that I was looking forward to, and it was now 8.30. And the whole reason I got in this tournament was I talked to people like, oh, yeah, this thing's going to be over by 6 tonight. You want plenty of time to get some dinner and then go to the party. And I at 8.30. And we still have eight people left. Wow. And uh, so I was happy to do a deal, and then we uh, we all agreed on the ICM. But it was my first ICM deal that I was a part of. I've seen a bunch of them done. Yeah, right, right.
0: actually been
2: part of one before. Um, and, and I think it worked out for me. I mean, we were looking at a an even shop of 1400 at that point, which I would have taken at that point, even though it was second in chips because the blinds were so big. Um, so I ended up getting an extra 300 out of it.
0: Well, you know what Mike Sexton says. Life's a gamble. <laughs> Life's a gamble.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So the Women in Poker Hall of Fame has announced its nominees for inclusion this year. Hermance Bloom, Mandy Glago, Angelica Hale, Haley Rio, uh Karina Jett, Terry King, Shirley Rosario, Kira Scott, Lupe Soto, and Jennifer Tilly, and a panel that consists of current hall members, media, including us. And more will cast their votes this week. So I mangled half of those names, I'm sure, right?
0: Yeah, that's why I didn't. I was going to go right into it and read it for you. And I said, no, I want to see how uh, Scott, who had the biggest shot of his life yesterday and woke up at 5.30 in the morning today, is going to read these names. So I thought it was better entertainment value. Just keep quiet. I'm going to say Lupe should be a shoe in Right. Um, All that she's done for poker, she plays all the time, and all she's done for the Hall of Fame itself, the women in Poker Hall of Fame. So, uh, right there, there's one. So if if we're only, I mean, do we vote for two or is that? Um, and Lips too, though. Huh? Oh no, I know, I know Lips. I'm saying, do we vote for two though, or is it?
2: No, we get ten votes and we can spread them out however we want. Oh,
0: so that's somebody, right.
2: Okay. or we could give everybody one, and somebody, you know, whatever we want. So it's oh. always interesting how they do this. So yeah. we have to figure it out. But, um, but some media members on there, some people I hadn't heard of. Well, sad to say, <laughs> on there. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of uh, WPT people uh, are on here. Uh, some that were at the party yesterday, which is nice to see. That's cool. Uh, and of course some players that we love you know i love karina jet she's always been fun and very nice to us at Annie up um yeah. so we will see what happens here
0: yeah i think lupe is probably going to get in this year um and she i think if i remember correctly when i read the uh sort of induction email or whatever they sent out it was like hey i've been fighting it for a decade but my kids made me a promise to accept a nomination this year so you know so she's obviously probably been on people's minds for a long time so i think she'll definitely get in
2: yeah, it's always one of those awkward things because she's you know part of it. So. Yeah, exactly. But that that shouldn't exclude you or exclude you from um, actually being honored for
0: it as well too. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so we'll keep you updated. See who goes in. Any updates? We have three more Annie up poker cruises coming up this year, and there's still time to book our nine night sailing to Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao on April thirteenth out of Miami. Is there still time? There it's, is still time. It's so close. Yes, it is. It's like but, a week you know, away. Poker like to wait till the last minute. So, <laughs> uh, in July we'll be sailing from Tampa to Cuba, and in October from Tampa to Cozumel. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to Advanced Poker Training, and a quick reference poker odds card from TheGamblingSchool.com. For more info, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Also, join the AnnieUp Fans Group fan, uh, Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask all the four questions, just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Anti-Up Fans. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This is Frank Victoria. He says, please settle this. Player A calls Player B's hand. Player B shows the winning hand. Player A just folds his hand without showing it. Does Player B have a right to see Player A's cards? I emailed him back pretty quickly. I'd yeah, say. it was funny
2: because I was messaging back and forth on Facebook. Uh, he was on our Andy Up magazine messenger, uh-huh. and we were going back and forth. He was giving me all kinds of the scenarios, and he's like, "All right, I need this actually in writing with an official name <laughs> to show my buddies." And I'm like, "All right, well, email us that." That's what we did, and you and he responded quickly. So go it ahead. was
0: it was driving me crazy, by the way, because I was on my iPad and I kept getting these notifications that something was going on on Facebook. And it would say Frank Victoria. So I will click on it and then it would say this is no longer here. So then I said (laughs) So then later on again I clicked on it again. This is no longer here. I'm like, is this guy, what is this guy, is this, so at first I was thinking about blocking the guy, because I thought he was like sending a spam, and you were deleting it, I'm like, what is going on?
2: I wasn't deleting, I was just responding I know, so but
0: it. I couldn't do it, so I don't know if it's, I'm not a full administrator, or I don't know what the deal is, but every time I'd click on that notification, it would go to a thing that said, sorry, you can't see this anymore, and right? I'm like, what is going on? I thought he was like spamming us, and you were like deleting it a spam. <laughs> so then I get the email yeah. from the guy, and I'm like, all right, I see what's going on now. Uh, but here's what I said to him, I said, yes B has the right to see those cards. Uh, But, you know, in in the whole scheme of, you know, ethics or, you know, or just being cool at the poker table, a lot of guys don't demand to see the hand. But, yes, you have the right to see that person's hand. Uh, You you played it out, and he has to show a hand if you want him to show that hand. If he mucks it, you know, there could be problems there, too, because, you, you know, if he forces it into the muck or something you can call a floor or whatever and have the floor come over and whatever, because that you've paid, even though you bet first, you still paid for that, right. For that card to be shown. So, uh, yeah, that's all
2: true. But again, it's, it's as you mentioned, it's an ethical gray area because yeah. as we keep saying, um, you really should only ask to see that hand. If you are concerned about collusion, you shouldn't just ask to see hands. Um, that's the way it works. So, you know in this scenario the last aggressor is the one that has to show first and um so player A was not the last aggressor player B was and player B shows the winning hand and at that point player A has the option to muck um, now anybody at the table could ask to see those cards but again it's it's a, a you know it's poor form is the best way to say it but and yeah, exactly. you know in the back and forth with Frank it was uh, he had it flipped at one point and at that point, you know, if it's player A, uh, the best solution to that problem is for player A not to show his hand first because he doesn't have to. Player B needs to show the hand first. So, um, in that scenario, it's even worse. <laughs> now, if you table before you're supposed to, uh, and then he asks to see the hand, then I'm like, you could you could solve that. This is a scenario where you can't see the cards unless you actually ask for them.
0: Right. Yeah, and it, it, it's like you do have the right. It's just kind of awkward.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, I would not. I would not suggest you do it.
0: Yeah, but. we've kind of had this conversation in the past on the show, and and there's other. There are times where you just you really want to know how this guy plays, you know, or something, and, and you, you. But even then, it's still awkward.
2: Well, it also depends on the table you're at. I mean, I would say most recreational players would not have a problem with you asking that, and the dealer would just turn it over, and life goes on, right? Yeah. So it's not like you're guaranteed to caused a kerfuffle (laughs) when you do that right but if you get somebody at the table that knows the rules or is very sensitive to it um you just be aware that somebody might show sensitivity to that request and and you don't think it's a big deal because you know you do it in your home game all the time or if you're online you can go check but um just be aware that that could be a problem but very cool
0: Hey, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Uh, we're going to see Elliot pretty soon, right? He's going to be on the cruise with us. And he's going to be on the cruise next week. I haven't seen yeah. him in a while. Yeah. Uh comes from our good friend Matt Bodorf. He says, in the middle well, of I a hand... He's a
2: celebrity bounty today as well, too.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Uh, he says, in the middle of a hand, seat one shows seat two, who is not in the hand his hand
2: a lot of commas there
0: a lot of commas there alright so in the middle of a hand seat 1 shows seat 2 who is not in the hand his hand and folds with one other player still left to act another player who is out of the hand wants to see what seat 1 showed and asks to see the hand the hand was folded but the dealer is holding the cards on the way to the muck seat 5 thinks he knows the rules and says hey show 1 show all There is some resistance by another player who points out there is still a player to act, but the dealer shows everyone the folded cards. This was after someone pointed out that only the one player in seat two saw the hand and he had no cards at the time. The floor was never called for decision nor a penalty to the player who showed his hand. What's the proper call?
2: Elliot says, TDA rule 68, no disclosure. Players must protect other players in the tournament at all times One player to a hand is in effect, among other things. This rule prohibits showing a hand to or discussing strategy with another player, advisor, or spectator. Rule 72, uh, warnings, penalties, and disqualification. Uh, B, uh, a penalty may be invoked if a player exposes a card with action pending, throws a card off the table, violates one player to a hand, or similar incidents occur. In both tournament play and cash play, the the hand that seat 1 discarded should have been held to the side until all action was completed. Only then should it have been shown to the players at the table. As seat 2 was not involved in the action, there was no need to reveal the hand prior to the showdown. This is yet another situation where the supervisor needs to be called over. Dealers along with players are not supposed to make rulings, ever. As for a possible penalty, Rule 72 allows for discretion on the part of the supervisor in that situation, but the supervisor needs to be called over to note the infraction and exercise said discretion.
0: It's such a... To me, I don't understand how that's even a question. It's so obvious. That you can't show cards to people who are still in the hand when the sh- the cards were shown to someone who wasn't in the hand. It's so obvious. And if it wasn't asked or des- you know described a situation to the dealer, then you ask that question. Hey, who'd you show them to? This guy. Anybody verify that? Yeah. Okay, was this guy in the hand? No. Okay, well, then I can't show you the cards until the hand is over.
2: It's pretty obvious. Well, once again, this is another variation of what we've been talking about. It seems like 47 shows in a row, but may- maybe it's only two. <laughs> you know, I, I I still can't wrap my head around this. And this happened yesterday a couple times in the tournament. People were like, oh, look at this hand. It shows me it and it throws it in the muck. Yeah. I'm like, don't show me the hand. You can tell me what you had after the hand is over, and I'm going to believe you. <laughs> Especially if you're my buddy. Uh, like, you know, so quit doing this showing the hand thing. Just muck Keep quiet when the hand's over. Tap me on the shoulder and go. Oh man, can you believe I uh, Ace Deuce and a rap there and I didn't get there. Like, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just don't get it. Yeah, and that would it. solve this problem too. I mean, it's amazing how many of these problems would be solved by people just, you know, doing the right thing.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Hey, we get to complete O'Malley's no move today. Here comes part one.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing a garden-variety, $1-$2, no-limit hold'em casino cash game. We bought in for 200 and currently sit with $130. we have been card-dead for most of the night, and with one exception of trying to make a move with King-Queen, we've been folding preflop almost all night. We've been playing for roughly four hours. The blinds post, it's folded to an MP who makes the call, It's folded around to us, and we're in the cutoff with, you guessed it, king of spades, queen of hearts. A lot of people would maybe raise here, especially to get the button out, but I'm going to take a conservative approach and just call. We get position, and both blinds call, as we see the flop with about $8 in the pot. The king of diamonds, queen of diamonds, seven of diamonds comes down. The small blind and big blind check, but the MP makes it $5 to go. This player has had an up-and-down night, and he likes to gamble. He chases draws and can be an aggressor. We've seen him turn over one nut hand and one bluff, but he does overvalue his hands and oftentimes will call players down with second pair. Most of his showdowns have been a pair or worse. These I don't categorize as bluffs, since he thought he had the best hand, and sometimes he did. He started the hand with 160. One thing we noticed with the all-diamond flop, he immediately looked at his cards before betting the $5. This is a textbook case of a player only having a single diamond in his hand and is not suited. I'm really not too concerned with the flop, and I think with the blinds not seeming too interested, and the fact that we have top two, we're going to raise. We make it $15 to go. The blinds fold, and the MP thinks for a short time before calling. There's around $35 in the pot, and the turn is the tray of clubs. Our opponent makes it $25 to go. So, a call leaves us with about 90 left. If we want to raise, we'll be putting in a significant portion of our remaining stack. Does your opinion change knowing our opponent will run it more than once? What's the move? I'm shoving!
2: And mark this down because I almost never say I shove, right? (laughs) That's right. Uh, I like our her spot here. I think we are, uh, we are ahead, and if we are wrong uh, and our opponent offers to run it twice, that's somewhat of an insurance policy. Let's make something happen tonight, Chris.
0: Yeah, body language right here just tells me it's a draw. So, yeah, I'm with you. Let's shove. Here comes part two. Hello
1: again. I still can't help but think he's only on a flush draw, and I'm pretty sure this guy will run it twice. I think we have the best hand, and if not, we probably have two chances to boat up. We shove. Our opponent goes into the tank. That's good news. And after a short time, calls. We discuss running it twice and decide to. He turns over the jack of diamonds, ten of hearts. Wow, a straight and a flush draw. After the rivers come down, the four of spades and the king of clubs, we scoop. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes it only takes one hand to turn a night around. But you have to hang around long enough to get to that one hand. I hope to see you on the felt.
2: All right, I'm not a fan of the big fan of the run it twice. I think it's like taking insurance on a blackjack to me. Uh, but here's an example where it helped us make the right decision. I mean, we probably would have got there anyhow, but the fact that we felt like that was a possibility certainly helped me make that decision. So
0: I don't mind the running it twice. To me, it kind of falls in that category of chops for me. You know, like if you're going to chop, then we chop every time. And if we run it twice for you, don't you dare turn me down when I want to do it. So yeah. I don't mind that they're running it twice. You know, it's a cash game, variance, whatever. But the thing about it, though, is a casino. A lot of times, casinos won't let you do that. That was weird that they let them do it at this casino cash game.
2: Well, I guess it depends on the type of player you are. To me, I think you're giving some value there. I mean, if I made the decision at the end that my hand is best, and that's really generally what you're doing when you call, right, or raise it, you think you have the best hand, um... Then why would I want to give a weaker hand an opportunity to take half my pot from me?
0: So not, they show me the cards. I like that. Like, all right, I'll make a decision when you show me. But don't tell me you want to run it twice and I don't know what you got. You know, I want mean, at least know what I'm up against before I'm going to buy an insurance policy. You know, so right, right. Uh, as for the hand, I'm happy we all shoved. and we all scooped. Yay!
2: Yay! we we'll <laughs> scooping. Yes, did a lot right. of that yesterday. It was awesome. <laughs> It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And our good friend Paul Rolston is back. And uh, not a lot of storytelling this time from me. Oh, so man. That's the best part. To, he must have just wanted to fire this off quickly before he forget the details. So All right. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll add some storytelling to it. go. <laughs> Uh, Alright, he says he's in a 5-10 cash game Uh, He says it's not as wild as usual But very home game feel Lots of familiar players Uh, He starts to hand with Uh, (laughs) 3.8k Oh wow So pretty deep Um, Let's see He says he looks down at the ace tray of spades That's nice I'm getting things out of order here Okay Uh, An early position player, very active, plays 60% uh, more or more of hands, has a big stack, raises to 150. He has about 5,000 in front of him. And uh, he says this is a pretty standard size raise in this cash game. Two callers before it gets to us. One, a stone-cold knit, only plays nuts or better with 350-ish behind and a pretty good, often relatively passive player calls with 1,200-ish behind. And now we look down at the ace tray of spades.
0: Wait a minute. Are you telling me that a standard raise in a five ten game is fifteen x to a hundred and fifty? Is that what you said? It was a hundred and fifty.
2: Yeah. Well, it's just not as wild as usual. So usually it could be like three hundred.
0: <laughs> what fifteen x in a five ten game? Wow. This is why I play one three. Because I, I couldn't play. I, I, it's not even it makes me nervous or anything. It's just a hundred and fifty is the raise. I mean. <laughs> Oh man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, I don't think I'm playing Ace Trey of Spades for hundred and fifty dollars. Are we in position or I don't know where we were? Uh
2: I do not know. There is no action after we answer here, so I'm gonna guess we were in position, yes.
0: Alright, well maybe if you if you this guy seems to play a lot of hands, so maybe you can outplay him and you have position. Maybe you want you know, you're up to three point eight. I don't know what you bought in for, but maybe you want to i would probably just call though i'm not gonna do anything stupid with this hand because if somebody reopens it and i've put in 500 that's ridiculous to just lose 500 for no reason so i think this guy plays a lot of hands you could squeeze him out you know uh re-raise it to like six or something and get these guys to fold or whatever because they're obviously speculating a lot but i think i'd call and be cautious and hope i hit the flop hard
2: okay um, I think a lot, a lot of these are the, uh, Paul's. Uh, he's used to playing these players, and so knows the game better than we do, too, right? right. So, uh, we, we generally are not going to do what he does because we're not as comfortable <laughs> with the game as he is. But, uh, but, but knowing how he plays, I mean, yeah, I can see this as a, a call situation and, and position, and uh, see what happens. But uh, it's, it's probably not a call I would make generally.
0: Yeah, and he also said that he's familiar with a lot of these players, like you said, so he knows how they play, so that's another reason to make a call because you think you could probably outplay them or or know what they're going to do at least, so to make it easier.
2: Absolutely. All right, so he said uh, at the beginning of this hand his intention was to limp uh, or call a single raise, so that's what happened here. He had a single raise, and that's what he ends up doing Was calling. Okay. So we go to the flop. Ace of diamonds, king of spades, ten of spades... Uh, the original Razor is first to act and bets 150 The Knit raises all in to 350 and the passive player calls, and now it's on us.
0: Shove. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, what? You got, you got top pair, shitty kicker, but you also have the nut flush draw. Somebody really going to come behind you, if they unless they have aces or kings. And even if they have a set of tens, they might even consider laying that down. Who knows? Now, I may not believe you, because you, if you had aces or kings or if you hit a set here, that you would probably re-raise pre-flop. But do they really want to take that chance? Guy made it 350, you isolate him, there's dead money in the middle now, so there's a lot of money in there. I don't know, make it make it 1,000? What are you going to do, make it 1,200? You know, I guess you could do that, make it 1,200. Why risk 3,800 if you don't have to? Um, right. somebody goes over the top of that, I guess you can get away from it and be sick about it the rest of your life. Um, so, yeah, maybe make it 1,200. I'm not going anywhere. I don't think I mean, you could just call, I guess, but then it's like you've lost control of the hand. You're letting other guys in the hand that could your aces might be good here against that one guy who shuds cuz he might be on a draw. You know, uh he might have king 10 and you could hit a trade to still win or go runner runner seven or something like that. So you might be able to isolate against that one guy. Um so I might re-raise here to like 12 or so, 15.
2: Yeah, I did. The shove was a little bit much for me because the original Razor has us covered, right? Yeah, he yeah. was raising out of position and is keeping the action up, so I've got to give him credit for a hand. And, you know, you could have obviously a wide range, but Ace King is clearly in that range. So if that's the case, we would have to hit our uh, spades in order to win, right? Um so, yeah, I think I'm going I, I to call here and just see what happens because, you know, he's probably going to raise again and um, – or he has a chance to raise again. So I don't want to make the spot too big right now. Right. Um, but with all this money in here with this great draw, I, I'm not going to fold either. So um, – all right. Our hero calls. The original raiser raises to 650 and the passive player ships for 1,200. Back to us. I call a lot of money in there now right yeah
0: you're i was thinking about making it 12 anyway so you know what i mean i mean i might as well just call but there's still there's still somebody left who has us covered right
2: yeah and yeah. i see by the amount of race he probably still has the option to raise this too right so it was 350 yeah and this guy made it another yeah so yeah. he could still raise on top of this if he wanted
1: to
0: just, but yeah i guess i'll just call I can't go anywhere. I got a pair of aces and a nut flush draw. I mean, I mean, like I said, I, I would have probably made it more to maybe discourage that, or who knows. I don't know. If somebody had gotten it all in, I, I think I might have gotten it all in here, <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, I know to us, we're thinking, oh, but if I was playing in a regular 1-2 game and I had 300 in front of me, I would still get it all in. So, you know what I mean? it's just, These are the, the stakes he's playing. So just because it's 3.8K and bigger than we right. play doesn't mean you don't do the right move. So I probably still would get it in here.
2: Right. All right. Uh, It says, I can't fold this. Uh, Even knowing the knit and passive uh, player may be both beating us at the stage, I still have two cards to come. Top pair, nut flush redraw. Uh, The one player I figure I'm probably beating at the stage is the active player. He can have a 10, he can have a king, and still play like this. I can ensure myself if I can entice him to call, and he has a lot of call. I ship. Hmm. Active player, Tanks, announces he's calling for a 10 and calls. Wow. Big pot. Um, That player has King 10 offsuit. So that's what, bottom two pair? Uh, The net has Queen Jack. Uh, Where's my board here? Is that uh, Oh Yeah, that's Broadway. Broadway. And the passive has Ace King. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. Monster hands. No one has spades. None. The turn is the seven of hearts. The river is the eight of diamonds. Oh, Ugh. The last. He <laughs> said, uh, now you're seriously going to tell me I should have let this go? Ugh. Well, Paul, I don't think either one of us were going to tell you.
0: No, to I wasn't letting it go. I I mean, I might have played it differently. I might have folded a preflop, uh, like I said. Um, but, you know, if you're going to know how these guys play and you're willing to get it in and, you are and you know, you can you can step away from a hand when you need to, then you can play it. But to me, I might have folded a preflop. After that, the way I would have probably played it differently is I might have, I might actually have shoved early, but then again, you're going up against the nut straight, you probably get all these guys to call anyway, so I don't know, it would have mattered. Uh, The Ace-King probably calls, King-Ten probably calls, probably calls, Queen-Jack, of course. So, I think you're screwed no matter what. That's one of those, you know, all the planets align and the great Seven-Seal opens up and (laughs) <laughs> you know, and you lose all your money. So right. <laughs> that sucks.
2: Um, yeah, just just a tough hand, but yeah. hey, it's almost like an Omaha hand, I would think, because oh, these are like Omaha hands, you know, where you, you get so committed. Yeah. With with all these draws, and then you're hoping to hit it, and it doesn't get there. I mean, it happens all the day long in Omaha. <laughs> For six hours yesterday, I watched it. Uh, you don't see it as much in in and um, hold'em as you do here, but uh, that happens.
0: Wow. Yeah, and there's no spade. There's literally no spade that could have hurt help, hurt him too. They all would have helped. There's no spade that would have made a boat. So, because he had in his hand the ace of spades, so yeah, the ace of spades that yep. sucks. They had pure outs and didn't get there. That sucks. Hey, but you know what? Cheer up. You're on the show again. <laughs> all right, buddy, get some rest. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm logg. We'll see you at the tables.
1: AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.